I'd just like to read a few verses from Ephesians chapter 4. Beginning to read at verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupt by its sinful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and so to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully, for we are all, for we are all members of one body in your anger do not sin do not let the sun go down while you are still angry do not give the devil a foothold he who has been stealing must steal no longer but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need today is Remembrance Sunday and um, we remember those who have given their lives in defense of this land and we consider the commandment do not steal and when you think about it war is all about stealing someone else's freedom, territory property, power war robs people of compassion and peace and so it's it's good that we think about do not steal today. In China today, churches are being demolished, raised to the ground, but those still standing, the authorities are going in and taking down the Ten Commandments from inside the churches and in their place putting the thoughts and the, and the words of, of the President of China today. Their campaign is to sinicize Christianity, to make it Chinese. But then we read, and this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. The Ten Commandments are not a ladder of merit that we, by which we seek to climb into God's good books, winning our way into his favour by our works. Exodus chapter 20 verse 2 firmly puts God's action of salvation first. He speaks his commands to us, not in order that we may be saved, but because he has already saved us. And now that same grace that saved us teaches us how to respond in grateful obedience. This relationship between grace and law, between salvation and responsive obedience remains the same right through the Bible. 
The Ten Commandments themselves present a rounded and balanced pattern for life. In, commandment, in the first four commandments, it's all the spiritual. And then commandments in the fifth commandment, it's domestic. And then the remaining commandments about the social. After our duty to God, our domestic life and our relationships with other people are very important. And the commandments reflect and express Yahweh. We read this in Leviticus chapter 19. Keeping his commandments makes us like him. I've just finished reading a book, God in Churchill. The writer says this, Governments are given authority to establish order. We see this in the Old Testament, in Israel, the first king Saul. God gave Saul the same mandate that every leader has been given. The right to govern within the confines of God's Ten Commandments. Martin Luther says that love to our neighbour requires us to hold sacred not only his person and his marriage, but also his property. But behind the commandment slides the Bible view of property, namely that ownership is stewardship. By human law, my property is that which I own and may dispose of as I wish. But Bible believers, however, know that what human law says I own my money, my goods, I actually hold as God's trustee. In the terms of Jesus' parable, these things are talents lent to me by God on a temporary basis. One day, I will have to give an account of how I've used these things. So, I wonder how many of you brought your house keys and your car keys this morning with you. I wonder why. The fact that we carry keys around with us is the most powerful argument for sinful human nature. Stealing is a very common sin. Stealing is one of the sins that most people recognize today as, as wrong. And why is stealing common? Some people steal because they want something for nothing. And I know that some people steal out of desperation. In China during the years of Mao Zedong, in, 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 in the south of China, there was a Christian farmer. And in those days, many people starved to death because of lack of food. But this Christian farmer stacked his many potatoes outside his home, but someone came and kept stealing a few at a time. And uh, he decided that one night he'd stay up and see who it was that was stealing his potatoes. Finally, the thief came, and before he took any potatoes, he stopped and he prayed. Oh, Spirit, please give me, forgive me for, for coming again to steal these potatoes. I've come to this home, to this Christian family, because I know that if they catch me, they won't beat me. If I went to a non-Christian farmer, they caught me, they would beat me. You know that I have not come to take these potatoes for my own benefit, but that I need them to feed my starving family and my newborn baby. Please forgive what I am about to do. 
And when the Christian farmer heard this, he was, he was heart-stricken. And tears welled up in his eyes and he, he realised he hadn't been attentive to his neighbour. And after the thief completed his mission, returned home, the brother went upstairs and woke his wife and, and, and told her what had happened. And they both felt bad. And they repented of their selfishness. The Christian couple decided to visit the thief and his family and, and off they went. And they took them a basket of, of gifts. Potatoes, sugar, flour, salt. And when they knocked on the door, of course there was no response because the farmer thought that these people had, knew who it was and they were going to beat him. And they were seeking retribution. But after some time waiting outside, they, they said to the farmer, we've not come to beat you, we've not come to, for retribution, we've come to ask your forgiveness. We've some gifts for you, please open the door. And this deeply touched the thief and his wife and his family. The next day they told many people in that area of China. We stole the Christian family's food, yet they came to ask forgiveness. Their testimony made a great impact. Many people in that part of China came to a living faith in the Lord Jesus Christ through that action. It's respect for another person's property. And when it comes to stealing, it means two things. Don't take what belongs to someone else. And don't withhold what rightly belongs to someone else. Have you ever had someone steal from you? When we came back from Korea the first time, uh, one Sunday we'd gone to church and we had to go to hospital to take our son into hospital. And when I got home the house was ransacked and that awful feeling and the second time we came home from Korea our car was stolen and we found it uh, halfway up the cemetery wall somebody had crashed it we've been rumbled at cash point overseas and our visa card stolen and it's not a pleasant feeling a friend of ours or a friend of Gay's who, who was a nursing friend in South Africa has been kidnapped twice and lived to tell the tale. The first time, as they uh, threw her out of the car, she, uh, she waved them goodbye as they went off in her car. And as one cafe or bakery said, it's easy to kidnap a slim person, so eat more cakes. The three boys were boasting about the, how the, their dad was the best. And, the, and the, the, the first boy says, my dad can shoot an arrow from a bow. And he said, before he hits the target, he can catch it in his hand. And the second boy said, that's not fast, my dad can shoot a gun. And before he hits the target, he can catch the bullet in his teeth. And the third boy said, that's nothing. My dad works for the local council, he finishes, a he finishes work at half past five, he's home at two. <laughs> So we can steal time. But Titus says this in Paul's letter. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything. To try to please them, not to talk back to them, not to steal from them. But to show that they can be fully trusted. 
so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Saviour attractive. The slaves of Crete were to decorate the truth, to be seen as an attractive frame for the picture of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're called to do. We can fiddle expenses, we can steal from, from work. W.P. Nicholson uh, was known as the tornado of the pulpit. Dr. Graham Scroggy, a well-known uh, preacher, once said this, that man Nicholson is filled with vulgarity and the Holy Spirit. And how a man can be filled with both at the same time, I do not know. But Nicholson was the man for his time. And the Lord used him. He was a bit crude in what he said. But he was a preacher. And he preached to many of the dock workers at, in Belfast. At Harland and Wolfe. And many of the dockers turned to Christ as Saviour and Lord. There's one church building out there. The railings are still bent. Where the crowd of, of men were trying to push in to get a seat in the church when Nicholson was preaching and there was real repentance because the warehouses, warehouses were erected on the docks named Nicholson Sheds to house all the stolen goods and the tools that had been stolen over the years people were bringing them back to the point that the employers put up a sign at Allen and Wolf and said please don't bring any more stolen stuff back we haven't got the room to accommodate it and at one of, his, one of his missions, Nicholson was told that, allegedly in confidence, that somebody had been um, ill-treating his wife that week. And so before the collection was taken, he said to the congregation, if I don't see a ten-shilling note, so this dates it, if I don't see a ten-shilling note on the plate this morning, I'm going to tell who the person is who's been ill-treating his wife this week. When the offering was lifted, it was full of ten shilling notes. The missionaries did well that year. But a friend of mine who took my mum and dad's wedding, when he was minister in St. Helens, was retiring just about the time I was starting on ministry. And one day, he was, he was an accountant before he, became, he went into the ministry, and one day the boss came into the office and said, on this job I want you to cook the books. And straight away, Joe Williams said, I can't do that. I'm a Christian. And the boss said, the other, the other accountants kept quiet, but the boss said to Joe, there's a promotion in the offering. It's yours. You're the only one I can trust. We can steal from employees. Lord Nelson at English Electric one time at a delegation came in and said if you close down this part of the works you can save thousands and thousands of pounds. And he said this is not only a business it's a community. How things have changed since then. Giving an honest day's wage for a day's work. I couldn't believe what I heard some months ago during the Brexit debate one chap was voting Brexit because he'd gone for a job which a Polish man had applied for. The employer gave the job to the Polish man because he could pay him less. 
The man from Stoke was grieved, and so he should be. You see, that was wrong on the part of the employer. Both should have been given the opportunity to work for the same pay. But Paul to the Thessalonians talks about stealing from society, refusing (coughs) to work for a living. I was working on a a building site in Manchester. I was a quantity surveyor before I went into the ministry. And this was in the 60s, during the time of green shield stamps. Do you remember those? And pink stamps. That that date. Um, And I found the piling contractor not putting reinforcement in the concrete piles he was driving into the ground, these 40-foot piles. And if I hadn't caught him, he would have made a fortune by all the reinforcements he would have saved. And when I caught him, he got very angry. And he said I was trying to break his company. I said, no, no, no. I said, you can get angry all you want. But in five years' time, when this building collapses, you'll be swanning yourself in the Bahamas. You were the criminal. And he wasn't a happy bunny. When I met Gage, she told me I was one of the most suspicious people she'd ever met. You see, in those days, when ready-mixed concrete lorries came to the site, they would fill these six-inch cubes. They would go off to the lab to be tested for the right strength. But after that, they would water the concrete down into the foundations. So when a building collapses, it may not be the design, but people taking shortcuts, stealing. Stealing. Out of greed. And we see something of this in the Grenfell Tower fire tax evasion giving to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's stealing someone's reputation this is something of great value in July this year Carl Beach was sent to prison for 18 years for uh, for ruining the reputation of prominent people in government and, and society But you see, when history caused their achievements, the first thing that will come up on the internet was they were accused of child abuse and murder. Reputation stolen. James, in his epistle, talks about the tongue being like a fire that causes so much damage. We must be careful what we say about other people. It's so easy to steal a reputation. It came home to us the other day when our daughter Elizabeth, who who works in in Liverpool on the community as a nurse, and a friend is studying journalism at Liverpool University. And in this paper she quoted our Elizabeth five or six times. She misquoted her five or six times in this article and when she was asked by the faculty if she had obtained permission from Elizabeth she said yes but the hierarchy in Liverpool were concerned about this article that had been written and phoned Elizabeth and said you know uh, 
Did you give permission? She said, no. Have you seen the article? No. She later got an apology from the ethics committee at Liverpool University. And this girl has been disciplined. But the article is on the internet and could cause problems to a professional reputation. We need to be very careful what we say or write about others. But Malachi, or my friend would say Malachi, Malachi talks about robbing God. Failing to pay God what is due to him, not only in material things and financial things, but by living a life which is worthy of him. You're not your own, you were bought with a price, therefore honour God with your body. We rob God of his glory when we pretend to live for him. And we're not. We rob God when we live for self instead of for God. When we take the credit for ourselves and not give the credit to him. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. I think it's to say, I think it's safe to say that we've, we've all failed. We've not always treated other people the way we would have treat, have them treat us. We've all sinned and come short of his glory and need that forgiveness through Jesus Christ, God's only Son who died for our sins. Stealing angers God, it deprives others, it brings shame, it leads to deception. Leads to further lies and greater sins and our families can suffer as a consequence. The Bible teaches repentance and restitution. Remember Zacchaeus, that pint-sized tax collector who stole from the people? Zacchaeus demonstrated his repentance when he stood to his full height and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. You see, Jesus is the one who brings change and transformation. In Ephesians 4.28, He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. We're all called to work and to work well for the glory of God. Doing something useful for others and for society. Workers so that you may be able to share with others in need. Don't steal from others to take for yourself, but rather work so that you may be able to give to others from yourself. That is what God has done for us. He sent his only son into the world to do a work for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Jesus came to die on a cross to pay the wages for your sin and mine. Salvation is a free gift from God. You can't steal it. You can't earn it. We don't deserve it. 
But God gives us the free gift of eternal life when we put our faith and trust in him who died on that cross for you and me. So as we saw in the lives of the dock workers in Belfast, only Jesus can bring that change and bring that transformation. Amen.